At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cosy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All these guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get the game. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No, geek. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. All right, folks, welcome back in. Second hour. We've got a good one on tap for the next 60 coming up. In about 15 minutes from now, Patrick Everson is going to be with us. Works over at Props.com. We're going to get the uh, down low on how this Game 7 is being bet. Uh, multiple shops, see if there's any liability building up and where some of these bettors are looking for this contest and where maybe some potential early action is coming in on the Eastern Conference Finals, Series Prices, and Game 1. Uh, really quickly, before we get to uh, the uh, Western Conference Finals game, or excuse me, Western Conference semifinal matchup between Phoenix and Dallas and take a look at maybe some player prop numbers as well, um, we're getting some you know media availability after these games, obviously, between Boston and Milwaukee. And I thought uh, Mike Budenholzer said something pretty good after the game, and he was asked essentially, uh, why would you prioritize and continue to prioritize rim defense when the Boston Celtics pretty much answered the call when it came to hitting three-point attempts? And I, it makes a lot of sense in terms of his answer uh, when he says, a, quote, it's just what you described. Question is the answer. I think Tatum and Brown have been very effective in the series. Felt like trying to reduce theirs as much as we could, give Brooke an opportunity to have a huge impact on the game. And so Grant Williams made enough Defensively, the game was over with probably three or four minutes to go, and they think they're on pace for 100 or so. At the end of the day, well, it can always be better. I think the overall defense and effort by our guys, including Brooke, is to be commended. Their defense is to be commended. we got to score. we got to be better on offense. And uh, when you have an offensive rating of 82.7 and you hold, from an efficiency standpoint, the opposition to 108.2, pretty fair answer to say that, yeah, from a game plan standpoint, it actually kind of worked out. Uh, we just needed to hit some more shots personally, and um, it does make some sense. But still... It did make look at this Boston 59% of their attempts from three point range. They had 40%. So kind of tying into what we talked about with Miami, this Miami series. Uh, if you are going to force the Celtics to answer the call from three, it does look like they are going to be able to answer that call. So with that uh, update really quickly, as we're looking at the screen, uh, we're st- we're sitting right now at six and a half. And in fact, right now on my screen, um, make sure this is actually the case. Seven and a half just popped up over at the win in favor of the Phoenix Suns. So we'll see if that's actually something. Uh, the um, injury reports are coming out right now. I didn't see anything in terms of that being very impactful. So we'll see if uh, there's something that is worth bringing up from an injury standpoint. But regardless, it might be an error on the screen that the uh, win is up to 7.5. So maybe production crew keep an eye on that and see if maybe I missed something in terms of a late injury there. But the, the only place at this point right now 
That's popping up as seven and a half in terms of a number for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, injury reports are clean, so maybe that's just a screen error. Regardless, uh, on the Dallas Mavericks. So I'm also kind of hoping that it's not seven and a half because I took six and a half uh, in this game between these two. And I got a little, I guess I got a little itchy on the trigger finger. I was going to sit back and wait for six and a half. And the fact that it didn't, or excuse me, get to like seven. And the fact that it wasn't getting to seven in the uh, you know early hours, I figured that would be the case given their market support here for the Phoenix Suns. And the market support has been there for Phoenix throughout this entire series. We actually, last time we had Patrick Everson on, uh, he reported to us, right, that over at a couple of shops, including Win, that, or excuse me, a BetMGM and Win, uh, that the highest liability from a series price standpoint in the conference semifinals was the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we saw how much the market liked them in that game four matchup when we were live here, and that number got to as high as Suns minus three on the road, and they ultimately lost that game outright. So we've seen the support for the Phoenix Suns. Wouldn't be surprising to see it get to seven, but at this point right now, we're about an hour away from tip. Uh, we have yet to see it budge off of that six and a half. So from there, made my feelings known. Do think that from a standpoint of consistency, the Mavericks have shown a little bit more, especially on the offensive end when they go on the road, that I think they're going to be live here to stay within this number. Also, um, I always find it interesting, you know, this total drops as much as it does because it's a game seven standpoint, but the number stays the same in terms of the rating between these two teams. So uh, if this is indeed a lower scoring game, you're getting more to work with there if you're the underdog catching six and a half. But I, I do think that the Mavericks are in the driver's seat to potentially win this game outright against the Phoenix Suns. So let's talk a little bit about some player props and, and some of the numbers that we're seeing out there. Uh, we'll start with Chris Paul. Player prop right now in terms of points, 16 and a half, rebounds, five and a half, assists at nine and a half. And I think you kind of start there with Chris Paul uh, when it comes to the assists because the assist numbers just haven't been there for him in this series. This series as a whole, he's averaging just six assists per game. And if you look at the way that uh, this team has kind of been guarding him and guarding the rest of the role players for the Phoenix Suns, uh, they have been doing a pretty brilliant job in not allowing that first pass look for a score the Dallas Mavericks have been. Uh, So it's not surprising when you see a guy like Chris Paul, given his status, the fact that they're playing at home, the fact that offensively they have looked more comfortable when they're playing at home as opposed to on the road, that the assist number would be pretty high here coming back. Uh, But I do think that tends to, again, when you're looking at this like at the, in the big picture, for me, like something's got to give here. The total is as low as it is at 204, and yet Chris Paul's numbers are sitting at 9.5 in terms of assists. You had Devin Booker, in terms of his scoring prop, sitting as high as 28.5. Uh, like all these things put together, it, it does seem like there is something maybe missing here a little bit uh, when it comes to those two things not gelling. But I think when you look at the way that the Mavericks have defended Chris Paul, the fact that Nilakina has done a brilliant job on him, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, getting the ball out of his hands. He's not even attempting that many shots over the course of the last four games. Again, only averaging seven attempts per game over the last four contests. I do think that looking at Chris Paul, uh, especially like nine and a half, an assist total of nine and a half, and looking at that under, the way that I've handicapped this up to this point, I do think that that would be something worth looking at. I also thought it was interesting that DraftKings had a turnover prop. Uh, for Chris Paul. Again, when you're talking about a guy who over the last four games have averaged over four and a half turnovers per game um, and had a really hard time with the way that the Dallas Mavericks have been playing them, uh, the two and a half does seem somewhat high to hang as a prop number. He's going to have the ball in his hands, right? He's the lead point guard. Maybe the the, uh, turnovers are going to be high, but he's also a guy that when he's playing at his peak, he's not going to turn the ball over that much. It does seem like a number that is shaded a little bit higher given the recent struggles of Chris Paul. So we'll see if that's ultimately going to be the case. But I do think, uh, at least initially, two and a half turnovers seemed like a high number given everything that we've seen between these two. But I wanted to focus on one guy in particular for the Phoenix Suns, 
And it's been a dude that I've actually been kind of impressed with in this series because it, uh, for stretches against Dallas, he's been the most consistent offensive player for the Phoenix Suns, although most of the damage came early in the series. Uh, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's done a really good job in this series. His point total prop sitting at 10.5 at DraftKings. You look at the series overall, averaging 12 points per game, shooting a pretty solid clip from three at 48.4%, and not only at 10.5 points per game, uh, but three-pointers made sitting at 1.5. And in this series, he's averaging two and a half made three-pointers per game. Crowder's been really good for the Dallas Mavericks. And the Mavericks, again, when your game plan is just get the ball out of the hands of Chris Paul, the opportunities have been there for the other role players, namely a guy like Jay Crowder. And you look at some of the early performances from him in this series, 11 points in game one, dropped 15 on four or seven shooting in game two, seven to 12 shooting in game three and 19. Again, the, the game three and four, the road games, he was brilliant. 19 and 15 points in those two games. Now, the last two have not been the same. Uh, he has not been as effective the last two games. One to six from three-point range in the game back at home for Jay Crowder. And then the last game back in Dallas held to only nine on two of four. So the attempts were cut down. But Crowder's been arguably the most consistent piece for the Phoenix Suns outside of like a Devin Booker type and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, but Crowder's been impressive. And I would look to maybe I would, I would look to him over one and a half three-point attempts, especially the way that the, the ball has been coming to him and the way that it's been shooting in this series overall. And the player from the Suns' standpoint that you really want to see step up and perform a little bit better, Mikael Bridges in the series against the New Orleans Pelicans was a lifesaver. He was one of the reasons why they were able to outlast New Orleans and eventually win that series when Devin Booker came back. If you look at the difference, though, between his numbers in that series compared to this series against Dallas, it is night and day. Against New Orleans, Mikael Bridges had a 31-point game for the series, averaged 17.3 points per game on 55.5 per, or excuse me, 55.1 percent shooting from the floor and 53.3 percent shooting from three-point range. But then you see what's gone on with Dallas, and it's been very different. No more than 14 points. That's the that's the high for him in this year. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was uh, Game 5. And then on the series as a whole, just 10.5 points per game on 43% shooting from the floor. Mikael Bridges has not been the scoring and impactful guy that he has been. He's not been as good when it comes to cutting the basket, not as great off-ball in terms of catch-and-shoot three-point attempts either. And you do wonder, as this total continues to go down for his point total prop at 13.5, if there's some value in looking over the total here for Mikael Bridges. Back at home again, looking at the game plan of Dallas, trying to get the ball out of the hands of Chris Paul and having role players step their game up, it would seem that the opportunity is going to be there for Mikael Bridges. Maybe not even just to go over the point total prop, but again, talking about making three-point attempts. Now, in the series, though, they've been – Dallas is so good at running guys off the three-point line. 
It's been part of the reason why guys like Bridges have been struggling. He's only averaging two and a half three-point attempts per game in this series. So asking him to go over one and a half three-point attempts uh, made is probably a high ask for him in a situation like this. But still, Bridges has been really underwhelming. And at 13 and a half is a guy that is potentially worth looking at over the total in terms of a little bit of value considering that this has dropped a little bit as the series got started. But Dallas is doing a great job of him. And then you get to, this is why on Stars, you're always paying a premium. I mentioned that uh, Devin Booker, his point total prop at 28 and a half. How about Luka Doncic? 34 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists, and three pointers made. Get this for Doncic. Three and a half is the number set for him over at DraftKings earlier today. And Doncic actually has not been shooting the ball that well in this series. He's been really inefficient for a couple of these games. When you look at the the uh, three-pointers made against the Phoenix Suns, he's averaging in this series 2.7 three-pointers made, but that's uh, really tied into a couple of games where he went off. That was the first two. He made nine total three-pointers in the first two games, but after that, you're talking about two of seven, one of ten, two of eight, and two of eight for Luka Doncic. Relying a little bit too much on the step-back threes, but it goes to show you like some of the prices that you're paying here for some of these guys Three and a half three-pointers made for Luka Doncic, the number set for him over at DraftKings. That's a really high number, a really high number for made three-pointers, especially for a guy who's not been shooting the ball that well. All right, we'll take our break here. When we come back, Patrick Everson, Props.com, is going to be with us. We'll get the bookmaker's perspective on everything going on. How are the betters handling this Game 7? How did they handle this first game? Where were they at with that contest? How the futures are stacking up and what bookmakers want and uh, maybe where we're potentially going to go with this Eastern Conference Finals now that it's set between Miami and Boston. Decent's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Hey folks, remember, you got to find your Zen. ZYN.com is where you want to go. You'll learn more. You can find your Zen. Zen nicotine pouches, smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free way to get your nicotine satisfaction. Find your Zen over at Zen.com. Over 100,000 locations nationwide. So check it out. ZYN.com. That is ZYN.com. All right, I think we got Patrick Everson up here, sports gambling reporter, props.com. Uh, Patrick, we appreciate the time as always, sir. Uh, so kind of wanted to start with uh, today. How did uh, shops make out? How did the betters handle this game seven matchup between Milwaukee and Boston? Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me on, JVT. I appreciate it. Hope all is well with you and yours. I just uh, a little bit ago got went did a little back and forth with Motoy Pearson, who's the senior trader over at WinBet. And here's, you know, his comments related to this were they would have certainly rather seen a different outcome. They definitely were looking for a Bucks game seven and not just for purposes of today, because as you get to this point of the season, as you and I'm sure your, your listeners all know, uh, the odds makers are definitely trying to uh, manage their position against the futures book. And he said, you know, we, we take a hit on the Celtics series price, uh, you know, assuming they were closing it out, which they did. And he said, considering the Celtics will be a rough decision on our end if they win the Eastern Conference. He said that is their worst decision for winning the Eastern Conference. So uh, so now they're in a position where he said, we are going to be cheering for the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. He said the Bucks, even though the Bucks were the defending champions, they were sort of the, uh, you know, as much as, as under the radar as you can be when you're in single-digit odds all season, the Bucks were kind of under the radar. He said they would have been amazing 
if they if they advance both for the uh, conference championship and for a, a repeat NBA title. And I'm not sure if you asked him, Patrick, but I would assume that some of that uh, negativity when it comes to the Celtics winning the Eastern Conference would be at some pretty big prices considering the way they started the season, right? When they were 18 and 21, not very good. Some of the prices out there were pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely part of the calculus, and I've heard that. I didn't ask Motoy that specifically, but I've had an article, you know, a championship futures odds article that I've been updating throughout the season. And multiple books and probably win bet at some point, but certainly others. Uh, I know bet MGM has said uh, multiple times they, you know, they were, you know, they had the Celtics. You could have got them at, you know, 30 or 40 or, or, or more to one. And they've just been on this really incredible tear since like January, I believe it's like January 29th. I mean, they've, they've been winning at a tremendous clip. They've been covering at a fairly tremendous clip. If you, if you add it all up, I mean, obviously there was some back and forth in this round of the playoffs, but they swept, you know, they swept the nets away. So it's, uh, they, they probably, they probably not only have some longer tickets out there, but they've just been in general, again, getting beat up by the Celtics on a game by game basis for months now. Have you gotten a sense of how betters have done like in this round? You know, one of the things that I've been following, we've been talking about a lot is these home teams coming in at a really high clip and generally home teams being favored in these matchups. I would assume that it treats betters well, especially the betters who like to include those favorites on parlays. Is there a sense that betters have done like better or worse in this kind of a round when you talk to people around town? I think where they've probably done better to your point on home teams and the parlays, yep. because the home teams in a lot of these games have, generally been favored. I'm not, I'm not sure how many road games have gone up lately with the, they've been, I mean, they're compelling matchups, which is great. Uh, it's been a, it's been a really good playoff so far, but Motoy even alluded to that with, and I know we'll get to it in a moment with tonight's game, but yes, the, the, particularly with the parlays, betters like to have the parlays on their favorites and maybe your money line parlays, if they don't want to mess around with the spread, uh, especially in some of these games that have some, some reasonably, close spread so that you're not having to lay too much juice, but, but on a money line parlay anyway, you're just trying to stack it up. So uh, you're not even as quite as worried about the juice. You're just hoping to, you know, put in two, three, four games and get a better payout. So uh, not always the best thing to do, as I'm sure you've told your listeners, but uh, you know, I get it. Yeah, I, I get the desire to want to do it. I don't doubt that that's been the case over these playoffs. All right. So you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it there. So let's talk about a Phoenix right now, six and a half point favor totals at two Oh four and a half. We know how these games are bet from a total perspective. Game seven, we always expect them to go under the total. Uh, but it does seem, you know, Patrick, you, you actually you came on with us, what, a week and a half ago or so last week uh, when we were talking about the liability building up from a series standpoint on Phoenix to win this thing against the Dallas Mavericks. And I would assume that with a winner-take-all game seven, just reading how the market has responded, uh, that yet again, betters are coming in to back Phoenix, no? Yes, absolutely. And again, this is coming from Motoy Pearson, who's the, the senior trader over at WinBet. This is fresh to you guys. I just popped it in an article a little bit ago, but you're basically first to get it beyond that. But uh, he said, we're seeing good two-way action ticket-wise at six and a half on the Suns. However, he said, we're going to need the Mavericks overall, to your point, you just alluded to it a moment ago, with all the Suns parlay liability. All the parlays are running to the Suns. And then further, as you noted in our discussion from last Sunday, he said, we would love to avoid the Suns winning the Western Conference and the championship at all costs. And he said on the flip side, anything that includes the Mavericks advancing from here on out, you winning this series, getting, you know, winning the West, winning the championship. He said any of those outcomes would be absolutely tremendous. They want hmm. they want the Mavericks to go as far as the Mavericks can go. Hmm. 
That's pretty interesting because I just thought, like, I, I've compared Dallas and Boston to each other, Patrick, because these are two teams that got off to slow starts and, and really finished the year strong kind of around the same time, like near the start of the calendar year. Uh, but Boston, of course, being the sexier team in terms of, like, name and branded recognition, I guess it does make some sense. But I am somewhat surprised they don't have, like, the same amount of, like, those big tickets that are out there on Boston. The same with Dallas, you know what I mean? Right. I, I, I agree. It doesn't. And like, like I said, it is too, you know, on the spread today, just looking at yeah. the game, the, the, the tunnel vision of straight bets on the spread, good two way action. So there are, you know, there are believers in the, well, I mean, it's the spread you're getting six and a half, but there are believers on the point spread that Dallas will, will keep this within the number. And uh, y- you know, so, so there, there's just not as much belief when you start stacking in the public on parlays, and the public on the sexier team in futures and so forth, which would be the defending Western Conference champs. But uh, kind of to your point on money line action at WinBet, it's their split opinion. The mm-hmm. bulk of the tickets, almost two to one tickets on Dallas, and that's you know part of it may be a little bit of a you know a smart play, but also we know part of it is people don't want to lay you know, a big number on the money line. They don't want to lay minus 320. They want to take the plus 260. So it's about two to one tickets, money line Dallas and 54% money line cash on Phoenix, the other side. So really close on money, but uh, but the tickets running more towards Dallas tonight. And you see, uh, by the way, if you're watching the broadcast, those splits via bet MGM. So you get a sense of another shop in terms of what they're looking at for tonight's matchup between Dallas and Phoenix. So uh, but there's a couple of other teams. Obviously, you're still alive. Have you, by the way, I know it's fresh, but have you gotten a chance to talk to anybody about the Eastern Conference Finals? We saw some prices up already, minus 170. Uh, game one, mm-hmm. a two-point spread in favor of Miami, total of about 206. Have you got any any, in, any early intel, any early action one way or the other on that, or is it still a little too fresh? Uh, probably a little too far. Yeah, I'm sure people are firing, but yeah. I'll tell you this, at, at WinBet, who have just got all this other fresh information from, they do have the series price up, Boston minus 160, Miami plus 130. And again, at WinBet, they are, you know, to your point, John, the, the, the Celtics are going to be, they were probably the sexier pick, you know, over against Dallas. Maybe against Miami, that's still going to be a sexy pick, but maybe not quite as much. People like Miami. Miami's had a good couple of seasons. But, you know, to what we were discussing just a moment ago, WinBet is a huge Miami Heat fan, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, – uh, if other books are in that position as well, Circa behind you perhaps, and others definitely rooting for Miami in that series, and would love to see them get to the uh, get to the NBA Finals. Patrick Everson, Props.com. All right, before we get you out of here, the one team we haven't mentioned yet, uh, anything special building up now that Steph Curry and the Warriors are back in the uh, Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2019? Yeah, well, they're down to, I was just looking at uh, just championship futures numbers at this point, and the Warriors obviously took that mantle over the top spot, while the Suns were having trouble in the first round against New Orleans. And, uh, you know, if the Suns advance tonight, it's, it's, it's a different ball game and a, and a tremendous Western Conference Finals, I would say, although I think it's going to be tremendous no matter what. But the Warriors have shortened a little bit. Nobody's minus money yet. You can still get plus money on all these teams. The Warriors sitting at plus 190 now while they wait to see who advances from that Suns-Maverick series. And, uh, uh, you know, to give you an idea of what BetMGM thinks of the Mavericks, uh, they're still at uh, the five teams left in this field until we get through, uh, you know, until we get through tonight. And the Mavericks are the, by far, the longest shot. They're at 25 to 1. The other four teams are at plus 450 or less. Patrick, I appreciate some time, man. We're up against it, but thank you so much for the insight, man. You bet. Have a great evening. Enjoy the game. You got it. Again, Patrick Everson, uh, Props.com. You can follow him up on Twitter, Patrick E underscore Vegas, and check out all the work up on Props.com. Uh, and by the way, I was uh, DMing with um, – 
with Jeff Fogel, former colleague here at VSIN, and asking him a little bit about what some of these uh, you know, these Monte Carlo simulators have in terms of a, a series price for a team that is favored by about two points at home. And um, going back and forth from Jeff, quote, there's a no-juice line, Boston minus 135 would be minus 145 on a 20-cent line. Boston more likely to win because taking at least one out of four, uh, one out of four road games isn't difficult near a coin flip. Tougher for Miami to break serve on the road. So minus 170 on the series price for Boston, somewhat high if you're comparing it to uh, the numbers that Jeff ran, 59.2% implied probability at minus 145 compared to the market, which is at 63% minus 170. All right, we'll come back and we'll talk with Brad Bodkin, NBA writer, CBS Sports, get his thoughts on what transpired. And look, Twitter's kind of a cesspool. Not really known for its positivity. But we'll ask Brad, is Twitter getting it right in trending hashtag FireBud? Does he deserve it? And are the Warriors really the highest power rated team in the NBA that's left? We'll discuss. Decent's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Winning never looked better. Make free hoops and soccer picks for a shot at a sweet payday with the H&M Wear That Feeling Prediction Series. Enter three pools and compete for your share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash H&M now to get in on the action. H&M, make everyone look and feel good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply to DraftKings.com for details. All right, we head out and welcome in Brad Bodkin, who's nice enough to give us some time. NBA writer, CBS Sports is the spot. You can follow him on Twitter, Brad Bodkin, CBS. Brad, I appreciate some time today. So wanted to start with what we just saw before we get into what we're going to see. Um, now, of course, I mentioned this before we brought you on. Twitter is a very positive place. Hashtag FireBud is trending. I actually thought he had a really good answer after the game, which was he commended their defensive effort. It was more about needing more from their offense. What would you make of Bud and the stubbornness in terms of prioritizing rim protection and challenging the Celtics to make those three-point attempts? Uh, We have a lot to unpack there. I mean, I'm doing an article right now where, you know, they did lose by that gun. Um, The the Celtics just overwhelmed them from three. They had 110 to 57 made three-point advantage, 159-point margin. That's the biggest... Uh, three-point margin are the second biggest, I think, in in a series in in NBA history. So, you know, they just couldn't overcome that math problem. And this is what the Bucks do. And it really, really worked well in game one. And I thought when I watched that, hey, the Bucks got something here. Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Bobby Portis, they start that triple tower front line. And Boston was really jammed up in the paint and forced into taking – what were more settled for three-pointers. And over the course of the series, Boston started getting more of the three-pointers in terms of the quality of the looks that they want to get off of more ball movement, more rhythmic looks, drive and kick, as opposed to sort of just one pass around the perimeter. We can't reach the paint, so let's just jack one up. Uh, And as the quality of threes uh, improved for Boston, the percentage went up. And in the end today, they make 22 to Milwaukee's four. So, you know, an 18 three-point advantage in a game seven, you're just not going to overcome. So, you know, should Bud have switched it up? He's, he's, he's long been tied to this, um, these defensive principles. Uh, you're always going to have this question in the playoffs, guys like Rudy Gobert, where 
you know, Joel Embiid, these guys that drop and you give up threes, you know, you kind of live or die by it. Um, but I just don't know that Milwaukee has the personnel to play it differently. Um, and then without Chris Middleton on the other side to make up their own three point ground, uh, they just, they just got overwhelmed from behind the line. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame bud. I mean, he got to a game seven without his second best player, a, a borderline all NBA level player against what might be the best team in the league. Uh, in the Celtics, so I'm not sure that fire Bud here is uh, is warranted. Yeah, I'd agree. And so building off of that, I do think the Celtics are the best team left in the NBA at this point. At least by my ratings, I have them as the best team left in the association. Do you think they are the best team in the NBA as we have watched these other teams play it out? I do, um, but boy, I'll tell you what, it is tight. You know, and I, this is, this has been a great postseason to date and it's going to continue to be as we move into the final two rounds because anybody can win it. They really can. Um, you know, let's just not forget about Phoenix because they had a little trouble with new Orleans and now they're in their own game seven against Dallas. If they get out of that, there's still every argument to make that they're the best team. Um, they, I think they have the fewest holes. Uh, I think they have the two uh, or at least they have until the last few games against against Dallas. Uh, they've had the best closers in the league in Devin Booker and and Chris Paul. There's there's a case to be made for them. Do not sleep on the Miami Heat. That's you know the Heat have had Boston's number um, over the years, and and the Heat do a lot of what Boston does. This is going to be really a fascinating series because we talk about matchups uh, anytime that we come into a series and how one team can. Uh, deploy their style over the other teams. Well, Miami can do a lot of the stuff that Boston can do. They've got bigs that can come out on the perimeter, specifically Bam Adebayo and guard out there. They can switch everything. They're super deep with a lot of shooters, right? So they drive and kick. Jimmy Butler gets into the paint. Tatum Brown, they get in the paint. They kick to your Grant Williams and your Peyton Pritchards and and these guys that are shooting three-pointers. It it really is uh, a style, both offensively and defensively, that are very similar to teams that are very familiar with each other. So do I think Boston's the better team? I do, but are they so much better that it's going to, it's going to overcome the home court advantage for Miami and Jimmy Butler, who might be the best player in the playoffs right now. You could certainly make that argument. So that's the long way of saying that I do think the Celtics are the team that, that are the best by a, by a slight margin because of their two way prowess but it's certainly not so big that any one of the four teams remaining, I should say five, mm-hmm. if that, you know, either Dallas or Phoenix uh, could, could feasibly win the title. So when we bring up Miami and this matchup, potentially, what are the things I think that sticks out? At least for me, when I was looking at some of the numbers, it was two things. It was one half court offense at times for Miami has not really been great. Their half court numbers in the postseason this year have been a little below average. And the other is in terms of frequency of three point attempts allowed, it, it, it does somewhat mirror some of the numbers we've seen from Milwaukee, not as extreme, but to an extent, do you think that somewhat burns them here in a series against the Boston Celtics? Uh, Miami does. They are willing to concede threes, but what they do so well, and this is what Boston does so well, um, is they recover to those shooters. Those are not easy three point attempts. I, I don't know what the numbers are in terms of wide open or corner threes. I'll have to dig into that stuff, but in general, Miami, they, they'll, they'll drop down to the elbows. They did it against James Harden. They did it against Trey Young, and they'll cut off those driving lanes. Jason Tatum's going to see a lot of that uh, off the high pick and roll. But then they don't just concede that drive and kick to the three. They, the P.J. Tuckers and the Jimmy Butlers, 
Um, These guys recover, and they recover fast. They're long, they're instinctive, they're strong, they're physical. And so it's not like you can, they, they have to compromise uh, good three-pointers. It could be a case more of like the three-pointers that Milwaukee compromised in game one, where the volume is, is high, but the quality is not high. Uh, and so in the end, will the Celtics be able to make tough threes, tough contested threes of hard closeouts, in a lot of one-on-one creation when, they're, when their offensive rhythms can't create a shot. Um, that's going to be the key here because uh, you can't just look at, at the quantity of threes that give up. It's, it's all about the quality of them. And Miami is not going to give you uh, a, 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 big, a big load of really good rhythmic three-point looks. So, uh, so far in the postseason, wide open three-point attempts per game allowed, just 12.6. Philly and Atlanta shot 33.8% on those, and then open three-point attempts by the NBA tracking data, 15.4 per game for Miami, 31.8% allowed. So it does seem like they've gotten a little lucky, at least in terms of the shooting percentage, but at least in terms of the overall attempts of being wide open, that's not very high, is it? Well, you've got to look at, you've got to be really careful with those numbers. You know, that's somebody that's sitting on the side of the court guesstimating, you know, how far a defender was away and those are not terribly reliable. The wide open looks are, but the open ones, I think it's like four to six feet yep. is the nearest defender. Um, those are notoriously off. You know, the, the defender might be five feet, might be three feet. Those are the wide open looks. And then the closely contested ones, the ones on both sides of the spectrum are the ones that you can really trust. And again, I don't know how the number of wide open threes that Miami's contesting um, compared to everybody else and compared to the percentage of threes that they give up. But again, even if it's a wide open three, who's shooting it? Yeah. Because they might be giving up the wide open three to the, to the worst shooter, the guy that they want shooting. So they've got tremendous three point discipline, uh, notwithstanding the volume that they give up and even the wide open looks you really, if you really want to look at that number, you really got to dig into who's shooting it and from where. All right, last two minutes with you, Brad. Uh, really quickly, Game 7 tonight, Mavericks catching 6.5. Uh, what do you expect to play out here between these two? Boy, you know, I, I, well, one, I hope it's a good game. The, the home team has dominated this series, not only winning all the games, but by a big margin. They've covered in all six. Um, what I would look at, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I want to say like 15 out of the last 19, maybe it's 20 now with Boston. Game sevens have gone under. So from a line standpoint, I'm looking at the under 205, and I think I like that. Historic. It's not a ton of points, and there's always the wild card of Luca and, and Chris Paul and Booker kind of getting going. Um, but I think I like the under, and I think I'm going to give uh, Phoenix the edge here, even even laying the six and a half, because I just listen. I think they've been the best team in the league this year. I think the Mavericks are playing a little bit over their head. And I think they have just more depth in their weapons in a game seven where they don't need their best player to have a, I mean, Dallas has to have, Luca's got to have a huge game. Um, they've got some leeway with Phoenix at home. If Paul doesn't have a good game, Booker can come up. Mikel Bridges can, can have a, a Grant Williams type game. He just went crazy for the Celtics in game seven. So they have more guys than Jay Crowder, a Cam Johnson. They have more guys that I would, that I would lean toward over say a Dorian Finney Smith. Um, with, with Dallas to have that X factor game. I think the Cam Johnson's and the Kell Bridges and Jay Crowder's uh, maybe even a Landry Shamit if he gets game seven minutes. 
uh, I like those supporting guys to possibly uh, have a big night from three. And, and, and in the end, I think Phoenix covers that number. Brad, that was awesome. I really appreciate the time, dude. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Yep, Brad Brodkin against CBS Sports. We'll come back, give you an update on where the numbers head for this contest and a little bit more before we get out of here. Decent's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Decent Spring Specials here. Only $59. You're going to get everything Decent has to offer from now to the end of July. Next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at vcin.com. And subscribers are going to have access to all of it. What does that include? Well, Adam Burke's Daily Major League Baseball Best Bets. And on top of the bets, you learn stuff too. That's the more important thing. Jonathan Von Tobel, that's me. Going to have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets, premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features daily best bets email, every edition of Points Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it, cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. To sign up now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. So it's, of course, as we have, the results are in hand. And what we do, we always look back with hindsight and think, <laughs> you should have. Uh, but this is uh, being bantied about up on Twitter now, too. Uh, the Celtics played their starters the final day of the regular season, claimed the number two seed. Bucks, as we remember, rested their starters that day, fell to the number three seed, Ime Udoka, after the game today. Quote, this is why we played our season out, to have home court advantage in a game seven. If you believe in the basketball gods, those things matter. I mean, I think the Bucks won game one on the road. They won game five on the road. It mattered, I guess. I think three-point shooting probably mattered, and the fact they couldn't score mattered a little bit more in a series in which there were um, quite a few road wins. I don't know how much home court really played out. But, hey, the result is in hand, and that's how we're going to celebrate, and that's how we're going to talk about this. And the Bucks will be skewered, and everybody will talk about how we need to fire Mike Budenholzer, which I don't think that's the case a year after uh, winning an NBA title. Also, Bucks, and this is the other thing I wanted to point out here because one of the storylines coming out of these last few games of the series uh, was the load on Giannis' shoulders in terms of having to score, having to defend, doing everything. Uh, after the game, Giannis, uh, quote, legs are heavy, body's heavy, mind heavy, knees weak, mom's spaghetti, and uh, everything was heavy. So Giannis Antetokounmpo not feeling very well after what was a, a monumental performance in that series against the Boston Celtics. All right, with that, real quick update in terms of where we're at for this uh, game between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. Um, by the way, so th- I mentioned that win hung up that 7.5 out of nowhere on the screen. It does look like that is actually the case because uh, right now that 7.5 is now a 7 uh, in favor of the Phoenix Suns with a total of 204.5. Uh, but the predominant number and the number at which it looks like is going to close at this point right now is 6.5. I don't know why I said it that like that. Six and a half uh, with a total of 204 and a half. And a reminder for all of you trends bettors out there, because I know there's a lot of you who like that, from Steve Mackinnon, our uh, editor over at Point Spread Weekly, the head honcho, the man who does everything for that uh, missive. Since 2013, first round game sevens, so not including this, but it's worth noting. Since 2013, first round game sevens, 10 and 6 to the over. However, since 2013, second round game sevens, 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you include the most recent result, which is today, 7-3 and three to the under, and since 2013, conference finals and the NBA finals, game sevens, 6-0 and oh to the under since 2013. So stock has, you know, file those away as you move forward into the postseason. If we get game sevens in either the conference finals and or the NBA finals, those have been some dead unders since 2013. But I've got the uh, Dallas Mavericks here tonight against the Phoenix Suns, catching six and a half. I, I think when you look at this, we talked about the offensive numbers for them, higher offensive rating on the road as opposed to what Phoenix has put up there, offensive rating of 108.3 compared to the 103 that the Phoenix Suns put up in Dallas. Luka Doncic, of course, being arguably the best player on the court in this series, uh, being on the side of the Dallas Mavericks, the ability to um, – ratchet up the catch-and-shoot three-point attempts and drum up some good wide-open look attempts as well from beyond the arc against the Phoenix Suns. I think the potential is there for the Dallas Mavericks to win this game, but obviously very much covered this number. Uh, if you look at some of the shot quality data as well that is out there, you would see that the Mavericks maybe should have won one of the games potentially, but very much should have covered uh, one of those contests as well. So we'll see how this plays out, obviously, but I do have the Dallas Mavericks catching six and a half. And one more note on Boston before we get to Golden State, because we barely talked about the Warriors who were in the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2019. Um, you know, some things like you know them, but you kind of just don't put context to them, and, you, and it's told to you, and you're like, oh, wow, like, I didn't really even think about that. So there's a case to be made here. The Boston Celtics, who were favored in their series against the Brooklyn Nets, favored in the series against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and then are now favored despite not having home court in their series against Miami Heat, they've actually been undervalued by the betting market. Keep in mind that depending on that Game 3 matchup and where you grade that as a closing number, uh, they're 8-3 and three against the spread in this postseason, the Boston Celtics. They've been covering numbers. They end this series against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, again, depending on how you grade that Game 3, with potentially a 5-2 ATS record. They've done a very good job. And it's seemingly like, you know, you talk about, eh, you know what, the number, you don't want to lay a price. They've been handling these series. It was a very short price in that series against Brooklyn. In fact, one shop, DraftKings, opened them up as the underdog in that series in which they ultimately swept them. And they take care of business winning the last two games of this set to force everything and to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. And now you get this series where they are about a $1.70 favorite against the Miami Heat. Now, I do think that a $1.70, you might be pushing it, especially when you look at some of the numbers of a, you know, a one-point, excuse me, a two-point favorite at home and how it extrapolates out and what you're looking at for Boston potentially at home. And you look at that from a series price standpoint. As I mentioned, the numbers from Jeff Fogel, former colleague, that if you're looking at it from the two-point spread for Miami and a similar number of about five at home for Boston, you're talking more like a price of $1.45 on a series price as opposed to $1.70. So we'll see. But 
I do think when you look at the Celtics, they deserve to be arguably the highest power-rated team in the NBA. That are the Golden State Warriors, which leads us to what we'll close on here is the Warriors sit back and they await the winner of Dallas and Phoenix. And I have my reservations about the Golden State Warriors, and especially after what we just saw in that series against Memphis. And Memphis deserves a lot of credit. I thought the Grizzlies defended them extremely well in every single one of those games. Uh, the Grizzlies, as we know, too, they did not cover that last game, uh, but ultimately ended up in that series 4-2 uh, and two against the spread, despite the uh, Golden State Warriors winning that series 4-2. to two. But I think when you look at Golden State, there are some questions. The turnovers have been a very big issue for them. And in a matchup against a team like the Dallas Mavericks, for example, who have done a brilliant job enforcing turnovers against the Phoenix Suns, should the Mavericks move on, you know that forcing turnovers will be a priority there, and they could potentially do it against a Golden State Warriors team that finished the regular season 29th in offensive turnover rate, and those issues have clearly carried over to the postseason. The inconsistent performances, it's great that Game 6 Clay was getting chance the other night, but Clay Thompson did not look like anywhere near his old self in that series against the Memphis Grizzlies. And remember, this is his first season that he's played a really long time, and so this is the longest stretch of basketball that he has played in a really long time. And these games are getting more and more intense. And you kind of saw that wear down clay. I thought a little bit in that series against the Memphis Grizzlies. There's the question of yes, Draymond green is a brilliant defender and he runs their offense, but also you would think that he probably needs to get a little bit more aggressive as a scorer and not be like, there were there were so many possessions in that Grizzly series where he would catch the ball at the top of the key with like nary a defender in sight. And he wouldn't even look toward the basket in any way whatsoever and was instead looking for a dribble handoff play or anything like that, looking for a cut to the basket from somebody else. And that could be a problem as you move forward in either series with the Dallas Mavericks or the Phoenix Suns. And in, I think it's more specific for a series like the, the, uh, the Suns in terms of what Aiton provides. The size issue is going to be a little bit of a discrepancy too. And DeAndre Aiton and JaVale McGee and their ability to work the glass and work down low in terms of their offense, you saw some of those shortcomings in little flashes against the Memphis Grizzlies and, of course, the Denver I meant the little flashes for the Denver Nuggets, but mostly with the Memphis Grizzlies, especially when Steven Adams came back. Adams made a pretty big difference down the stretch there. So it's not to say that the, the Warriors are dead by any means whatsoever. As we were talking with Brad Bodkin, if you were to tell me any one of the five teams won the NBA Finals as we flash forward to the future – I totally believe you, and I'd buy it because I think every single one of these teams is really good and has the potential to do really good things over the course of the next two rounds of the postseason. But I do think when you look at a team like the Warriors, who are now the champion favorites, you see the odds there via DraftKings, plus 185, Celtics behind them at plus 240, Suns plus 290, and those will even out once the Suns and the Mavericks finalize, and we'll see what they do with the Suns when they, if they win, Freudian slip, if they beat the Dallas Mavericks tonight, you'd assume that just given how the market's handled that they might move on to the second choice there. But I was texting with an odds maker, and I think this is the case. I think the Celtics are the best team in the NBA right now, man. They are really good. They're deep. They can shoot. They've got such like pliable lineups that can move and switch very fluid defensively, and they've got elite wing play, especially when it comes to Jason Tatum, who really started to find his stride down the stretch of the series against the Milwaukee Bucks. But regardless... It is going to be awesome. Now, can I just say really quickly, the series that I would really want, I think that would be the most aesthetically pleasing. Wouldn't we all like a Golden State-Boston finals? Like That would be, I think, kind of a lot of fun. I think that would be the best series in terms of uh, being fun to watch. In Phoenix, that's the uniforms for me. You know what I mean? The Phoenix, the Phoenix uniforms aren't that great. But still, Celtics-Warriors would be a ton of fun. Watching Steph Curry take on that defense, Clay Thompson as well. And Jason Tatum matching up with them too. Uh, but Miami and Golden State would be great. Miami and Phoenix, whatever we get. Miami and Dallas. I, I think 
a lot of it would be really great basketball to watch. So with that, if you missed out any part of this, you know where to go, vcin.com slash podcast. That's the spot to be at. And not only just for this show, but any of your favorite shows on the network and anything you missed on the day today. And also go to vcin.com slash spring. Sign up for everything we have to offer all the way through. What are we talking about? July 31st. Until then, we'll be back on Hardwood Handicappers next Sunday. The Run Line is coming up next here on vcin, the sports betting network. We'll see you folks. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.